the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pa, pa, pa. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. Thank you guys for tuning back in. This is Morgan Zeggers, and today we're going to talk about an update with the FBI raid. Yes, the saga continues. There's an interesting cell phone from CNN that I want us to break down, digest, and it's really indicative of the situation that we're in right now, especially with elections in the country, which leads me to the next topic. We're going to do a primary and election update because uh, a lot of the primaries are over. We're heading into the general election of 2022, and as we do that, we're able to kind of evaluate the success, especially of someone like President Trump, in terms of his endorsements, because the success of his endorsements could be indicative of his success in 2024, and if he announces that he'll run again or not. That being said, let's get into it. So what I want to start with first is a video that just came out of Eric Trump on Fox News, and he announces that there's an update in the Mar-a-Lago raid. It turns out they basically have footage of the whole thing, or at least they're claiming that. You know, we don't know yet. And they say they're going to release it. I'm fascinated, and I can't wait to see this. Listen here. Now, Donald Trump did right. for him. Last We're 90 question. days out, Sean, from the midterms. Yeah. It's, not, it's not surprising. This timing is not surprising, and it's backfiring on these people. Will you, you still have the surveillance tape, is that correct? Will you, are you allowed to share that with the country? Absolutely, Sean, at the right time. And your body cam point was spot on. That's why cops wear body cams. They don't tell you to turn off cameras. They want transparency, and that's not what happened here. And you know for a fact they asked for the cameras to be turned off. They asked for the cameras to be turned off. Wow. All right. Eric Trump. Unbelievable time. Wow, so you heard it there. They say they have the footage of the FBI raid, but as Sean Hannity asks, he says, can you confirm the FBI asked you to turn off the cameras, but you have footage? So that should be really interesting. I I mean, at the same time, this kind of behavior gets exposed all the time. The people that pay attention and understand how serious this is really get riled up, right? We get infuriated. We we do fight back. We do everything that we possibly can. But at the same time, there's people that are easily able to dismiss all of this. I mean, it, it could be another situation of a Hunter Biden laptop, right? Where the news hit it, the people didn't understand the seriousness of it, and then weren't able to be educated to the seriousness of it because the information and story was suppressed right before the election. And then a study was done post-election after Donald Trump lost in 2020, and it turns out that 16% of Joe Biden voters would have actually changed their vote had they known about the very real 
Hunter and Joe Biden stories about the business connections and the illegal behavior of Hunter Biden and then the business connections between Hunter Biden, his father, Joe Biden, who is getting 10% and so on uh, from the business dealings and scary, scary companies and business people and political leaders in places like Ukraine, Russia and communist China. 16% of Americans would have changed their mind had they know about that story. But social media companies, this is what happened. You had people in politics, people in political power, and former officials from the intelligence community, they signed a letter, right? And they said, this Hunter Biden laptop story is fake. It's Russian propaganda. It's not even just fake. It's Russian propaganda that's created to rally support for Trump. Members of the intelligence community signed on to this before the election to kind of ease everybody's fears of, oh, no, no, it could never be the case. And we're the experts. So we would tell you guys if this was a concern. Turns out that was a lie. And they all just signed on because they have political motives. But because of their signing on to this letter, what is the mainstream media then able to do? The mainstream media can then take that that evidence as they want to call it that oh it must be russian propaganda if the experts are calling it that we will have them as our sources we will now say in our headlines that this is russian propaganda and we have technical sources in that way well then social media companies and other media platforms can censor anybody that says otherwise because guess what now you're spreading fake news now you can get struck with spreading false and misinformation on social media and other outlets even banned the ability to talk on it so the fact that 16 percent of people would have voted a different way in a presidential election had they known this information but they were able to propagandize the situation from the beginning to make it seem like it was all a fake story and then whip it up into a censorable topic is just kind of disgusting to me and we're gonna see that again and again and again i've talked to you guys about this before of the use of distraction propaganda for example when something like this happens when a crisis happens the people in dc they sit at a table and you have all the pr people and all the comms people and all the advanced people and they figure out listen how can we twist this how can we fix this that's how dc works and so for example with afghanistan with the afghanistan debacle do you think it was a coincidence that they announced the vaccine mandate for employers in the private economy who have over 100 employees at their private companies during the Afghanistan debacle? Do you really think that that's what they were doing there? Just, oh, happened to be the case that they announced one of the worst policies in American history during one of the worst crises in American history that was created by the Biden administration. You guys, they announced that mandate at the same time because they needed to distract us from the massive catastrophic failure and tragedy that was playing out in Afghanistan at the time because of their failed leadership. It, we would have been so much more infuriated, but guess what? Now 100 million Americans had their jobs on the line. And it's not just a job. It's your ability to feed your family. Okay, don't think of it as just a job. Why do you go to work? You go to work to earn money to then be able to buy food and put your family and your children under a roof and keep them safe and secure and hopefully grow your life and build your life. That's what your job is. You don't go to your job to be fulfilled. Of course, everybody would love to be also fulfilled by their work. That's a, a wonderful thing and that's a blessing. But at the end of the day, it's to be able to provide and take care of your family to survive. And the government told 100 million people, hey, if you don't get this experimental vaccine, guess what? 
you're no longer going to have your job and you're going to be really, really hard. Uh, it's going to be really hard for you to find a job moving forward if you don't get this vaccine. So a lot of people were very scared immediately as this was announced. And guess what? Then a hundred million people and their wives, their husbands, their spouses and their kids and their family members and all the business people involved had to then shift their attention because, I mean, you guys, it's it's your job. They had to shift their attention to focusing on that thing that was just placed right in front of them that they then had to tackle. How are they going to take care of their family if they don't do this? It's It was a master use, masterful use of distraction propaganda. So this is the same kind of behavior we see all the time. Now, when they use things like force, and when you hear what not only our national leaders are saying, but what the global leaders are saying, the business leaders, the people of the World Economic Forum and all that stuff, when you hear them talk, and when you hear them talk about us, and when you see what they want to do to us, whether they say, oh, well, it's time for us to start getting used to eating bugs, or they say, it's time for you to stop driving your trucks, it's time for you to stop using gas and oil, it's time for you to do X, Y, Z. Yeah, you can't afford the $5 gallons of gas, well, it's time for you to buy an electric vehicle, you know, stop hating the environment. They have plans for us. And not only that, they want to then make our normal so difficult to maintain that we have to start complying with them. That's how it operates. So that brought me to want to show you guys this. I saw someone post it. I can't remember who. I'm very sorry. But somebody posted it and said, this is the most fantastic self-owned from CNN that we've seen in a long time, something along the lines of that. And I thought it was really, really good and such a great example of how they continue to communicate about us, just average people. Okay, you guys, so we're going to get into the video. Just keep in mind, since you guys can't watch this, this is a female CNN host. The screen says Trump and allies spout dangerous lies to rile up base after FBI search. And they're going to play a conservative commentator, first Steve Bannon, and then some other things, and then react to that. So so we're going to see what they say. But keep in mind, it's going to be Steve Bannon talking. ...and pushing conspiracy theories as they try to get ahead of whatever the Justice Department may now have. Why are they going through, rifling through his desk? Why? Because they want to indict him. Because they understand he's the leader of the most powerful political movement in modern American history, I actually think in all of American history. Drew Griffin is out front. And Drew, you have done so much reporting on the paranoia, the fear that is being stoked by Trump allies like Steve Bannon. What are you seeing right now? You know, to try to understand the madness of it, you have to approach it, Aaron, from their perspective, which is a war between good and evil. The entire premise of the far-right media is this lie that Joe Biden is illegitimate president. Okay, pause for the cause. They're saying that the far-right, and it, to be honest, everybody on the right is starting to get this, this is not about left versus right. And a lot of people in the middle understand this, too. This is now... Not just Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus liberal. This is good versus evil. And so CNN isn't commentating on this as if they agree with us. Instead, they're calling us crazy for thinking that this is good versus evil. Illegally elected and that Biden is surrounded by this army of Washington insiders called the deep state. 
I mean, he's right about the deep state. We don't just think there's a deep state. There is a deep state. And you can easily see that with every weekly national headline of what dirty work is the deep state covering up or performing this time? Because you have the mainstream media running cover for them as they weaponize, as the people in D.C., Washington politicians, weaponize the power of the federal government against American citizens. Now, we talked about this in the last episode of true solutions. Like, how do you stop a radical agenda? One of the biggest solutions is the fact that the legislative branch gave spending power and legislative uh, policy-making power, so control over how society functions, really, over to the executive branch, into the executive agencies. So now unelected bureaucrats have a lot of power over American taxpayers and citizens, and that's really unacceptable, and it's completely unconstitutional. Is this lie that Joe Biden is illegitimate president, illegally elected, and that Biden is surrounded by this army of Washington insiders called the deep state that is doing everything they can to stop Trump from running again. Steve Bannon, Trump's former chief strategist, he runs with this expanding false conspiracy daily on his podcast. It grows and grows with every news event. So when FBI agents served a search warrant on Trump's you know, resort, the rhetoric explodes, accusing the Department of Justice and FBI agents acting like, what else? Nazis. All right. First of all, CNN was also one of the only other mainstream media outlets to say and have commentators on their their site to say that the raid on Mar-a-Lago done by the FBI was not okay. that it was overblown and that if it really was about documents like they were claiming at the time, then it was not the appropriate use of government power. It was not the appropriate way to go about obtaining those documents, especially when they were already communicating with Trump communicating with Trump lawyers, when they had a much easier and less controversial way of doing this, especially considering how delicate it would be for them to raid the house of a former president of the United States. Like many are saying, they crossed the Rubicon on this. So it's interesting to see Previously, I I didn't praise CNN, but I gave them credit for having the commentators say, you know what, this is inappropriate. Even though it's the Republicans and the conservatives that are uh, getting the blow right now, it's still not appropriate. And so I appreciated that they said that. It's unfortunate now to see that same mainstream media site, CNN, change the tone. This whole raid, and that's what it was, this jackbooted Gestapo-like raid right. by the FBI was all about ransacking and desecrating Mar-a-Lago. They knew what this meant to the nation. They knew what it meant to the American people. They knew what it meant to MAGA. They did it on purpose. They were planning. They're there to plant stuff. That's what this was about. That's why they kept wow. the lawyers outside. We're Sunday. not going to be silent. We're yeah. not going to comply. We're not going to back down. You're total scumbags. You're lawless. You've turned this thing into a, a political weapon. It's a disgrace. He's got his viewers so whipped up, Bannon has even told them that Trump could be assassinated by the deep state to stop Trump from running again. This is what his audience has fed day in and day out. No proof. It's not news. But we know from talking to his own listeners, they believe it, Aaron. Which is just so incredibly dangerous, yeah. Drew. I mean, and look, we know it's extreme. And as you point out, Bannon's listeners may believe all of it, right? They, they may believe it. But I guess when I use the word dangerous, that is the question. How far does this go in terms of its impact? Okay. My my big thought that came from that first section of the video that I just showed you guys 
is the fact that they talk about how dangerous this is. And, you know, his listeners, they really believe what he's saying. They really believe there's a deep state. They really believe the federal government is being weaponized against not only Trump and conservative politicians, but also the people of the Republican Party, the people on the right, the conservative Americans. They feel like they are being attacked and like the people in Washington, D.C. are weaponizing the power of the federal government against them. Now, are they just being told this by a political pundit or are they feeling it and seeing it every single day? And that's why they're starting to feel like this is a growing threat. So, When we consider this, it's kind of like gaslighting someone where the person's being attacked, the person is being hurt, the person is struggling because they are being overpowered unfairly and unjustly by someone else, and then they're being told, oh my gosh, well, if you say that you are being attacked and overpowered and this is unjust and unfair, then you are just a conspiracy theorist and you're making it all up in your head. You loonies are just listening to the conservative podcast propagandists like Steve Bannon. So I find that very frustrating from the side that talks about decorum and talks about unity. And as she's saying right now, she's talking about the danger of spreading this kind of information. What's more dangerous? Calling out the very controversial topics regarding the federal government and the lack of trust the American people have in their government or sitting on a mainstream media platform news desk, all dressed up and fancy, all prim and proper, and then spouting in a very calm and normal toned voice as if you're the voice of authority that the other half of the country that disagrees with you politically and your company politically even though you're supposed to be journalists right they're they're dangerous now with their political views and calling them all conspiracy theorists for being concerned about the loss of rights of average americans what's more dangerous and what's more threatening to the future of the republic i mean you really gotta wonder i find just as much threat and i think it was I was watching on a head along drive the last two days and I was listening to Seth Dillon, the CEO of the Babylon Bee, his interview on Joe Rogan. And he was talking about how, you know, the left accuses us of of misleading information and, and dangerous, harmful content that's, you know, spreading lies or whatever. And he was like, but what about doing something like when you're debating about abortion, calling a baby in the womb a clump of cells, even though they're talking about developmental stages where the baby is A literal baby that very much could survive on its own in many instances. Uh, I think it was, I'm trying to think, I think it was Gina who is the co host of I'm Doing Great podcast out of Nashville, Tennessee. I went on that a couple months ago. She had said that when she was on the left, because she was like a big feminist, liberal leftist, I don't know if she was a full leftist or just a liberal, but she was a full feminazi in that way. And she talks about how she fully believed the left's misinformation that for a long time when the baby is developing, it's just a clump of cells. And so abortion should obviously be allowed. And that the moment she saw the videos that she saw on the internet, I believe it was, and she realized the actual developmental stages of a baby in the womb, I think she said she cried. Like she she was overwhelmed with emotion and she felt horrible for the fact that she had a different opinion in terms of being pro-choice for a very long time because she was misinformed. And once she knew the facts about it, she said, I, how could you ever? How could you ever support something like killing that child? As soon as you realize it's not just a clump of cells like the left tells you and tells women as they encourage them to embrace hookup culture. So as Seth Dillon was saying on the Joe Rogan show, It's very harmful 
to also spread the kind of lies and misinformation and distortion of definitions that the left does when calling something like a developing baby in the womb a clump of cells. When does that become considered harmful and misleading and damaging kind of content, misinformation on the internet? You know what I mean? And, and that's why, unfortunately, we report on Steve Bannon specifically, because he's a big part of this modern-day Trump-era Republican Party. David Chalian, you know, our David Chalian calls him the intellectual and cultural navigator for the party, setting the agenda even more than Donald Trump. It's why we have so many of these fringe Congress people. They show up on Bannon's show. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You may be a guest on Steve Bannon's show and a candidate for Congress. And it's great to get on big political commentator shows when you're running because it helps you get a platform to reach the voters, to explain what you're all about. That's all it is. But that's not the reason why fringe people are in office. And to be honest, they're not fringe. They call basic conservatives at this point fringe and radical and far right, the people that have a backbone and are willing to stand by principle. They call them fringe and conspiracy theorists and far-right people. I mean, I get called all the words, right? And you guys know me at this point. I'm a very normal person, very normal conservative. In no way am I a domestic terrorist or a conspiracy theorist or a bigot or any of those things. But they call us those things to form a certain narrative. So it's really unfortunate, too, that they, they, in this way, they are casually talking down about us. So that's why the fringe people are in office, because we listen to Steve Bannon, we listen to the political commentators, and we do what they say, and it allows his kind of people to rise to power. When in reality, that's not how you get representation. Our founders intended for the legislature to be the representative body of the people of America. Every district would be different, because the lifestyles of the people are certainly different. It's also why we're a union of multiple different and sovereign states, because the states, the geography, the environment there, the careers of that state, the lifestyles of the people of that state, because of all of these basic differences from region to region, they're also different. We're all very, very different as Americans, but at the same time, we form together for this union for multiple reasons, and that's all in the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers. But the founders intended for the branch of government called the legislative branch to be directly tied to the people, elected by the people, to be their voice. And then we elect them every two years because, say, we aren't happy with the, the way the country's going. We can make sure that the person tied directly to our voices is going to properly re- reflect us. And if we don't like the current person, we can replace them after just two years. That's the whole point of it, is that it's going to constantly change and the politicians are supposed to be subject to our will. Now, that's also, again, going back to, I'm going to continue to bring this up, that is why it is so dangerous to have a unelected bureaucrats in charge of so much taxpayer funds at this point that it's completely out of control. I remember the the torturing of puppies that I've talked about before, of how Fauci sent American taxpayer dollars to torture puppies in a foreign country for some study that he claimed was very, very, very important. When in reality, what elected lawmaking politician is going to do that if he's going to have to be held accountable by the people of his district who ask him, did you really vote to send puppies into cages where flies would eat their face? 
No, that's not exactly ideal. That's not something that a politician that has to get reelected every two years wants to face their people about and then, of course, deal with the repercussions of voting the incorrect way on legislation like that. So it's much, much easier to have an unelected bureaucrat do that kind of stuff where they can't be held accountable. So, again, when they say, oh, well, this is why there's all these fringe people in office now. It's just these evil, radical, uh, crazy commentators and conspiracy theorists behind a microphone. No, no, no. There's a reason there's a trend for more conservative and staunch conservative politicians in D.C., and it grows every two years. It's going to grow again after the midterms, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But it's growing because it's the will of the people. Their desires for what they want in a politician in D.C. are changing because they're realizing that what's happening right now is not working. And so they're changing their expectations and they're changing their desired list of qualities that they want in a politician. And it just happens to lead for them to be more on the right. And I don't know how to say this. Not a rhino. Right. And it's, and it's amazing, as you point out, you know, remember back in the day when people talked about him as a puppeteer, right? Mm-hmm. That infamously uh, angered Trump. But that agenda that you're talking about is long term. Yeah, extremely long term. Right now, focused on the midterms. But the big agenda here for this this version of the Republican Party, they want to take over in all of it, from school boards to congressional seats, then take over Congress this fall. Trump back in the White House in 2024 and Aaron, to take over the government, which they mean to get rid of the bureaucrats, the deep state, get rid of the FBI, the Department of Justice, all of it, transform the United States. This is what they talk about. This is the MAGA version of the country for them. Drew Griffin, thank you very much. What a way to end it. That is what we desire to do. We do plan to completely upend the current style of the federal government and that does mean taking an axe to the bureaucracy so thank you for clearly stating for the first time what we actually desire i mean what's funny is they say it as if it's going to be some horrific thing and then we're saying it in our campaign speeches in our podcasts in our daily conversations around the dinner table and in our community spaces together and we're like oh yeah this is going to happen we're going to make it happen these guys are horrib- horrified by the idea of removing the federal police state and the bureaucratic tyranny that is occurring in our country that's completely unconstitutional and not what our founders intended so we're going to get back to what our founders intended for this country and if you're scared by that then maybe you need to reevaluate your core beliefs in american quote-unquote values all right, you guys, by the way, before we get into the next topic, I want to just remind you, if you haven't gotten Vara Safety's Reach 2S yet, you're really missing out. This is the um, item that I use to store my weapon in my home because when it comes to self-protection as a five-foot-tall, tiny little lady, I prepare and train for fast access to my gun. Okay, gun safes are great, but sometimes they are hard to access quickly in an emergency. So that is why I have Vara Safety's Reach 2S. The... Reach 2S is different from a regular gun safe because it's actually a hybrid between a safe and a holster. So it looks like a holster. It's sleek. It's metal. But it keeps your gun secure and locked. Okay, you mount it next to your bed or you could do it in your vehicle, put it on a piece of furniture in your room. I keep mine mounted near my bed. But to use it, you guys, you literally just grab your gun from the 
quote, holster, and then your thumb naturally lines up onto a fingerprint sensor on the safe. It's just like drawing from a holster, so it's very quick, but only authorized users can unlock it because of the biometric sensor. So that's what really made it a game changer for me. As soon as I grab my gun, I know it will unlock immediately and I am set up with proper grip. It eliminates all the extra steps with other gun safes, which really takes up valuable time if you're in a pickle. So again, it's super fast. All you have to do to even secure it back in is just reholster it and push down the lock. Super simple. The Reach 2S is by far the fastest way to get my gun, and it checks all the boxes for security and reliability. Okay? What's even better, the company is right by my hometown in Saratoga, New York, and they build their product here in America. Thank goodness. Thank God. I am so thankful that we are seeing the rise of American-made companies once again. What a great movement. Okay, you guys can go check this out and get your own. I think everybody should have one in their home and their car. You can get it at varasafety.com, V-A-R-A safety.com. Okay, and to finish up the show, you guys, we are going to talk about the actual impact that all of the crazy news headlines are really having, all the accumulation of the mess of the last few years, especially since the 2020 election, all the mess, it's all accumulating to this, the 2022 midterms. So first headline that I want to read for you guys is from Breitbart.com, and the headline is 80 percent of pro-impeachment House Republicans to exit Congress. It says the 2021 House impeachment vote of former President Donald Trump was one of the most career-wrecking votes in congressional history, as 80 percent of the pro-impeachment members will exit Congress in 2023. With Rep. Cheney's massive loss Tuesday evening in Wyoming, a mere two of the 10 pro-impeachment Republicans remain in the House. Only two left, guys. That means Congressman David Valadao, I think is how you pronounce it, and Dan Newhouse. So uh, David is from California. Dan Newhouse is from Washington. Both Republicans, so keep an eye out for them. They voted to impeach President Trump. It says Newhouse hails from a safer red district, while David from California is running for re-election in a more contested district where Trump did not endorse anyone in the primary. Hmm. It says four pro-impeachment Republicans opted to retire and not compete in a GOP primary, which includes Adam Kinzinger from Illinois, Anthony Gonzalez from Ohio, Fred Upton from Michigan, and John Katko from New York. I wonder if uh, they had planned to retire, and that was why it was a little easier for them to take a risky vote, like vote for the impeachment of Trump, because it was kind of like their last hurrah. Maybe uh, it says another four pro impeachment members lost their GOP primary. So Peter Maher, Tom Rice, Jamie Herrera Butler, she lost. You guys, she lost to Joe Kent. That was awesome. Uh, and Liz Cheney from Wyoming. With all pro impeachment House primaries completed, attention will now turn to the Senate. Oh, this is going to be good. Where seven GOP senators voted to impeach Trump. So we've got Senator Richard Burr from North Carolina. You guys listen to these in case you guys have the opportunity to vote in these elections. You've got Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, Susan Collins from Maine, Mitt Romney from Utah, Ben Sass from Nebraska, and Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania. Oh, and then you also have Lisa Murkowski in Alaska. Of those seven senators, there are two that are retiring. Only one is running for re-election this year. 
Murkowski. Okay, so so in the future, you guys got to pay attention for when these Senate, because remember, it's every six years in Senate races. Keep an eye out. Don't let these people get away with their previous votes just because we have short attention spans as uh, people love the first world. You know what I mean? I mean, the technology these days really shortens our attention span because we expect immediate results and then our memory is crap. At least mine is. Murkowski, who's been in office for 21 years, is in a desperate fight for her political career. On Tuesday's Alaskan GOP primary, she only finished about 3% ahead of Trump-endorsed Kelly Tishibaka? Sorry, Kelly. Both Lisa and Kelly qualified in the primary to advance to the general election on November 8th. Okay, so we got to keep an eye out on November 8th for this one. It says Murkowski was appointed to the position by her father, interesting, who served in the Senate from 1981 to 2002 and was governor of Alaska from 2002 until 2006. Quote, after 21 years in the Senate, in a seat she was appointed to by her father, which she funds with dark money from outside our state, Lisa Murkowski cares more about her status with the Washington, D.C. insiders than she does about what the people here at home think, her opponent said after the election results in a press release. She said, quote, we already know that Murkowski says one thing in Alaska and then does the complete opposite in D.C., and we know that people on both sides of important issues like abortion and the Second Amendment can't trust her because she's always speaking out of both sides of her mouth. Hmm. If her opponent defeats Murkowski in the general election, only six pro-impeachment Republican senators would likely remain in 2023. That would be Cassidy, Collins, Romney, Sass, Villato, and Newhouse. So you guys keep an eye on that one. So that's from Breitbart. So again, the headline there was 80% of pro-impeachment House Republicans to exit Congress. You know, that's kind of exciting. And I think we have a lot of really new and exciting leaders that are on the rise. What's what's interesting, when we look at the elections, people get frustrated of hearing all the time politicians say that this is the most important election of our lifetimes. I honestly believe that this election and the next election, these are some of the more monumental elections of our lifetime. We are at a, a pivotal potential breaking point. And I hope you guys understand that. This is not just politics as usual. And I want you to take it sincerely when a politician that you respect, because they've earned your respect, not because they have some celebrity status or anything and have a lot of followers, but if they've earned your respect and they're telling you that this is one of the most monumental elections, please take that to heart. Please believe them. So with that being said, a lot of people get frustrated no matter what with the idea of like, what are we supposed to do? Just keep electing people into office and hoping that this is the next generation that's going to fix us. I mean, how many people say this is the new generation? I'm representative of the new generation of leadership in D.C. Everybody says that and then they kind of get a little older in Washington and then they become old and gray and then they, what do you know? It's just politics as usual. But I really do believe that if we properly prepare over multiple years and multiple elections, we can secure a large enough group of people in the House and the Senate and in the state legislatures, the the legislative branches of the state governments. We can put people into power who think like us, who understand how critical this is, who understand the World Health Organization, who understand the World Economic Forum, who understand how corrupt the Clintons are, and understand Hunter Biden's laptop story and the connections between the Bidens and communist China, who understand what we are really up against in terms of saving and keeping the Republic of the United States. 
we could do that. And if we had enough people, instead of a bunch of regular schmegular politicians that are more so just worried about getting reelected and saying the usual, sticking to the regular Republican talking points, then we could actually move and bring change. So I really do get excited by numbers like this because it means that these people are going to get replaced by new people. That being said as well, Joe Kent, he just won, like I said earlier, in Washington. Congratulations to him. So many people put in so much work for that, and it was really exciting to see. I, I, I also see some other really positive politicians. But as we get closer to 2022 and to the elections, the midterms in November, I will start to talk more about candidates and stuff and the ones that I will be supporting. And if you're in those states, I encourage you guys to make sure that you show up and not just vote, but do what you can to be a part of this. Campaigns are supposed to be uh, via the people of the United States. Because again, it's for the legislature. The legislature is supposed to represent the voices of the people. We are a constitutional republic for a reason. <clears throat> All right, and last article, you guys. Again, by Breitbart. This one is a different approach to an evaluation of the upcoming midterms and 2024. The headline says Donald Trump's 2022 endorsement record grows to 209 to 17, 209 to 17 after the Wyoming and Alaska primaries. It says five candidates backed by former President Donald J. Trump won their primary races in Wyoming and Alaska Tuesday night, growing his overall endorsement record to 209 to 17 in 2022. Perhaps the biggest win for Trump in this year's election cycle came Tuesday night, when Liz Cheney got thumped in Wyoming's congressional race. So she is done. Cheney, an impeachment Republican in the House of Representatives and the vice chair of the January 6th Select Committee, did not come close to her challenger in the contest for the at-large congressional district. With 95% reported as of Thursday, her opponent, backed by Trump, secured 113,000 votes, 66%, to Liz Cheney's 49,300 votes. Oh my gosh. 113,000 votes to 49,000 votes. Cheney only got 28% of the vote compared to her opponent who got 66.3%, according to the Associated Press election results that were compiled by the New York Times. Around 30 minutes after the polls closed in Wyoming, Decision Desk HQ and Dave Wasserman of The Cook Report both called the race for her opponent. Following her loss, Cheney seemed to compare herself, you guys get this, seemed to compare herself to the first Republican president, Abraham Lincoln. That takes some guts. She said, quote, the great original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Lincoln ultimately prevailed. He saved our union and defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. You guys, she really just said that. Yep, she really just said that. Um, so what I take from that is she she's not saying she's going to run for president, but she's trying to stir the pot. She's trying to plant the seeds so that we start talking about her as a potential presidential candidate and uh, yeah, I, I think she would absolutely announce that she's running for president, even though she just lost and got her butt whooped in a primary in one of the most conservative areas of the country. In Alaska, both Trump-endorsed candidates advanced to general election races. 
It says Trump's 5-1 to one score in one night puts his overall record in statewide and federal races at 188-12 to 12 this election cycle. Such races are comprised of gubernatorial, U.S. Senate, U.S. House, and statewide executive contests. In governor's races this year, Trump's record stands at 15-3. to 3, And his Senate is a perfect 19-0. Congressional races, he's fared fairly well with an overall primary record of 136 to 5. It says the midterm primaries are beginning to wind down as candidates who have advanced prepare for general election races. However, a few primaries remain, including Florida and New York congressional primaries on August 23rd. So August 23rd is coming up as someone who's from upstate New York. I do find it quite fascinating. What we're seeing in blue states, you guys, is in 2022, this is our first round of this decade's redistricting. So every 10 years when we have the census, we're able to see what states gained and lost population, right? And then the number of representatives that a state is assigned, the number of congressional districts it has and Congress people representing it is determined by the population. So I believe the congressional districts represent on average around 700,000 people each. So for states like New York that lose a lot of people and have lost a lot of people, especially because of COVID, but also in the years leading up to COVID, I remember when I still lived there, I moved out in 2020, but when I still lived there full time, 1 million or so people had moved out as a net loss for New York state in the 10 years leading up to COVID-19, not even including COVID-19, just because of the failed leadership of Governor Andrew Cuomo. And now he's gone, but I mean, his legacy remains, right? So when we have that kind of leadership, it drives people out. The decision-making by the leaders and the use of force in blue states during COVID also drove them out. And now states just had to report their new population numbers. And guess what? Big states are losing congressional members. And so in New York, what we're seeing right now is Jerry Nadler down in New York City He's one of the guys who's now facing a primary next week on August 23rd in the New York primaries because his district is getting basically like combined in a way with another congressperson and he's in a primary. And so we're seeing that in a lot of blue states where you're having Congress people have to go up against each other and then, you know, best man wins, I guess. But that's what happens when you're a state that people don't want to live in. That's what happens when you become one of the least friendly states for business, for young people, for raising children, for educating children, for taxpayers, for maintaining and keeping the business for multiple generations, for owning a home, etc. Okay, they've done this to themselves. It's going to be interesting to see the play out of that because Jerry Nadler is a really big representative voice of the left. I love watching the videos between him and conservative members of Congress when they are doing congressional hearings. They're on YouTube if you guys ever want to watch. I find the hearing videos fascinating. Um, But with that being said, I hope that that informed you guys to what we're doing right now. As for... The evaluation that I have about the numbers with Trump, he's seeing massive success, I would say, with his endorsements so far. And when a candidate who are, who potentially might run has success with endorsements, it usually means that the people are on his side, or at least that he has his thumb on the pulse of where the people are at. And so that's really the case right now. I think he's going to announce soon. Uh, everybody's saying, too, that the poll numbers in his favor are actually increasing after the FBI raid. So I guess we'll have to see and stay tuned on that one. But hope you guys learned a lot. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and give me a five-star review. 
Thank you very much, and have a nice day. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.